Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Welcome to the Worst Girl Gang Ever. Um, We are so happy to be here on this podcast episode with Charlotte and Becky. Thanks so much for coming in, ladies. Thanks for having it's lovely to have you now we know charlotte because she is one of our inside crew one of the girls who helps us with our um uh facebook groups and um actually just uh is a bit of a yeah general life just a cheerleader for us um and a friend so we're pleased to have you here and becky you are charlotte's friend girls do you want to tell us why you wanted to come on the podcast to talk about your stories together yeah, I mean, shall I start back? Or? Yeah, go march up in. Yeah, so um, we've both been through very sort of different, um, like, fertility, pregnancy journeys, that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's very important um, to address, like, how it affects in regards to, like, friendships as well. Um, and most importantly, as we've probably now discovered, like, external friendships too. Um, so as you guys know, um, Jack is yeah jack is my first baby um and he was still born on the 3rd of april 2021 um and i think i think probably starting the story um and becky can obviously chip here as she wants um so becky was trying to get pregnant for a long time um unsuccessfully um and was struggling with that that'd be right to say wouldn't it I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always wanted a family. Um, my husband and I had been trying for, I think at the point Jack was conceived for about five years, um, yeah, unsuccessfully. We were trying to get through our IVF treatment, but it kept getting delayed. Um, obviously, then COVID happened and I had to have a little operation in between. So things just kept dragging on and on. Um, and yeah, as as we we're saying, sort of as a friendship group, then it, it's, it's dealing with, I really wanted Charlotte to obviously get pregnant as quickly as she could because I'd hate anyone to go through infertility mm-hmm. it's horrible <laughs> um but it, then it's those ugly feelings isn't it around oh, that's great for you but I'm still sad for me um yeah yeah it's hard isn't it when someone when you've been trying for so long and someone just sort of like it's like they've just rolled yeah and it was it was very much like that so I I was very fortunate in respect but I fell I mean I told Becky we were going to start trying and I think within like three months um I was pregnant with Jack um so you'll see you'll see through this we both are very sort of like acutely aware of each other's feelings throughout the whole sort of thing so I spent I was terrified um like the first thought that came into my head was obviously like yeah I'm pregnant but how the hell am I going to tell Becky like mm. obviously she's going to be happy for me but it's going to break her heart for her um and I, I was Googling it and, um, yeah, just trying to think of a best way to tell her. Um, and when I did on the surface, you know, again, <laughs> chip in if you want, but handled it very well. But obviously, you know, we've always been quite 
um, conscious of how that makes the other feel in regards to that then obviously affected Becky. Um, yeah, when Charlotte told you about her pregnancy. I mean, we, we've been very open and honest from the start and, and we've had the conversation of, you know, well, how do you want to be told? And I was like, well, I don't want you running around with balloons to or tell me in front of a big <laughs> group of people. You know, like I, I prefer you just to send me a text or, or whatever. And it's not anything to take away from Charlotte's experience. I was like, you know, do that to the world, if, of course. But if you're telling me, I'd just rather a text, I'd rather it not at the weekend, just little like things that when I've whenever I see other friends get, you know, pregnant and they tell me, it was always, I just had a really good relaxing weekend you know away and I hadn't really been thinking of my infertility and then someone would come around and bam and you're like okay it's like back to reality so we we, I think that's really important is communication so and especially after after sort of that experience I had told people like I'm going to be really happy for you I will be sad for myself but that's that's my journey that's separate but just pop me a text or something give me time just to quickly digest it and then I can be really happy rather than just the oh congratulations and you're you haven't got chance to because you, you never want process to it. yeah you've, yeah you need the time to process and you don't want to dampen someone else telling you that they're pregnant because it's wonderful isn't it it's it's the best mm. news ever that's what Miracle, isn't it really <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly what I wanted so I didn't want her um Charlotte or anyone to feel rubbish about telling me um so yeah I mean initially yeah like oh what Again, you know, the why, why me? Why isn't it not happening for us? And, you know, where do we go from here? But very quickly, you can just turn around to go, this is great. You know, it's, it's, it's positive. And hopefully when I eventually would become pregnant, there'd be um, a playmate. <laughs> um, and we could go through something together. With those, um, with those kind of conversations, it's really difficult. I remember um, my husband and I were trying... And um, I was, well, I wasn't having periods. So I knew it was going to be, I knew my fertility journey wasn't going to be straightforward. And then our friends, friends of ours were not even trying, not even trying and obviously fell pregnant. And she told me at the gym and we were just about to go and do like a workout session together at the gym. And she told me in the changing room and I felt like such a rabbit caught in headlights, you know, that the, the shock and the, the the very quickly in my brain going, don't cry, don't cry, because this is... <laughs> and then just the fear of her being like, she's such a selfish bitch. Like, I've just told her this amazing news and all she can think about is herself and da-da-da-da. And you have so many, like, your brain's going, fuck, what do I do? Like, what is the right thing to do here? What would, what would a normal person do? Yeah, what no. would a normal person do? And then as Laura, Laura always shares, like... She used to go into this over-the-top kind of jazz hands thing. And you just feel forced into a reaction. Yeah. And it's so, oh God, it's so difficult. And I mean, some people, but it's all different for, for everyone. We were talking about this on our masterclass last night. Like some people want to know face-to-face. Some people feel like that's the most respectful way and stuff. But I think with communication, if you're struggling and your friends know you're struggling, it's so helpful to, as you did, Becky, like, think ahead of the game and just say, please mm. tell me not on the weekend, you know, via text. So I've got time to compose myself because you don't want to give them that like panic, startle kind of hysterical response, do you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just need, yeah, but you just need to take time for you to process it as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that then continued. I then continued obviously being pregnant with Jack um, and then at, 28 weeks exactly um found out that jack's heart stopped after going in for like 
routine monitoring, uh, not routine monitoring, sorry, reduced movements monitoring. Um, and Becky was obviously the first person I told, obviously apart from having to like ring my husband, which wasn't ideal. But um, so yeah, like apart from like, you know, my immediate family, um, I then obviously messaged Becky, like God knows what time in the morning. It was early because I remember you calling yeah. me really early in the morning. Um, and on the flip side of that, Becky was then the one doing the research. Um, so I remember Becky saying that you were like um, following like hashtags of like stillbirths and stuff, which, you know, was just just ways to sort of like help me through it. And you were like bang on the research for it. I you? didn't want to, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm a normal person. I got a bit of empathy, <laughs> I, I hope. <laughs> but I wanted to just make sure I didn't fall down a hole of saying something that I didn't even mean along the lines of, it wasn't meant to be, you know, I mean, I'm yeah, sure you go yeah, this, nearly every podcast you have of think, rubbish things people say to you. Um, so I just, you know, as, as as Charlie said, I I did a little bit of research. Well, first of all, obviously called you and then just yeah. said what you need. Whenever you need me around, I'm here. And then next thing I did was straight online. Yeah, just trying to make sure one, I didn't fall into any holes, things that you can do for people, what, what other people found comforting, you know, if it was around food or whatever it may be and then offering those obviously you can't you, well, you can plan but you don't want to plan for maybe a stillbirth happening and then how I want you to support me so it was me more saying well here's what I've got to offer you take whatever you need from me and I'm here and you know please please use me um, and yeah and, and the support was incredible like I cannot fault Becky at all um like you were and you continue to be my absolute rock in regards to that and even um like for example, the day that I was induced to go into labour, so like three days later, two days later, I think, when I was initially induced, um, like Becky was cleaning my house for me. So, you know, because obviously I, we weren't prepared to sort of go in at that stage so I could come back to a clean house and stuff. Um, so, yeah, like absolutely. Like if someone if someone could handle it perfectly, it would be Becky. Um, so I think that's... Yeah, it was just the right way to deal with it. And again, that's going to be different for everyone going through something like that. Um, but then sort of moving on from that, um, the tables probably turned in regards to like our ugly feelings, I would say. <laughs> so um, Becky, when I was still pregnant, Becky had sort of started going through what was then going to be the successful um, IVF point um, for her son, Teddy. So um, yeah, so I think... That was at the time. I just had an I just had an operation, hadn't I? Just before, it, yeah. Um, uh, just just to, to help um with the IVF. Um, and then yeah, it was only a couple of months later, I think, wasn't it, that I went through um a fresh cycle and embryo took fantastic, and I was pregnant. And again, then now it's like right now I've got to tell mm. Charlie. But again, we've been open and honest, and and Charlie actually had said, well, I'd want to be involved in all of you know, just tell me everything from the journey right from the off. I don't want this a sudden surprise. Again, you know, oh, I'm pregnant. Um, but then there was a little bit, well, I do want to tell you everything. But at the same time, I didn't really want to share when I was having the embryo implanted. Because I think personally, you know, do you go and tell someone when you're going to go and have sex to conceive? You know, like I wanted a little bit, <laughs> little bit of my husband. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even in the room when the embryo was implanted because of COVID. But, you know, <laughs> oh. me and another doctor, <laughs> another man. <laughs> um yeah, but but we, we had that chat, didn't we? And I said, look, I, I will tell you all of this, but can I just have that one day for, I know you're going to know when, you know, roughly when it is, because it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. after, but let me just have that day. And even if you know yeah. yourself, just let's not, let's not talk. But then I promised that I'd say, once I found out, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. 
um, and be one of the first? And how did you want to find out? And we did the seventh thing, um, send it by text. We'd also said, we'll send by text rather than WhatsApp. So if you want to read it and pretend you haven't seen it for a couple of hours, that's fine. Yeah. You know, sometimes with WhatsApp, you can see the blue ticks and the other person sat there going, why haven't they? Oh no, it's a long time to me. Yeah. yeah, we should we should totally add that to our masterclass. Yeah. So that is a that's a big thing, isn't it? If you if you've got your read receipts on that, you know when they've read it, and then and then yeah. you're like, oh, fuck, I've got to reply to this because they know I've read it. They and know I've read it, and they're likewise. They know I'm online right now. Yeah, and you might like you know like I do most of the time. Port leave Charlie on read all the time because I, I read it, and then I'm working <laughs> away, and then I'm like. Sorry, got caught up in something else, but yeah, yeah obviously it wouldn't wouldn't do it with something that important. But um, yeah, that's definitely I think a good a good tip. And we even would WhatsApp to say I'm about to send you a text. So, you know, oh really? Yeah. God, you two are so aware of each other. It's fantastic. Yeah, but with um, we said as well with WhatsApp, it's not only the read receipts, but with most WhatsApp, you've got it sort of turned off on your phone, Becky, haven't you? But I know on my phone, like with my WhatsApp, the whole message pops up, so you could be like out, you know, shopping, doing whatever. And you've got like the first part of the message, like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like, yeah, again, rabbit caught in headlights moment. Whereas with a text, you don't very often get that, I don't think. Um, it just yeah. comes up saying, oh, I message or whatever. So, and even now, like, if we're talking about something we've seen online, um, you know, pregnancy announcements or whatever, um, then we still send each other a text or a WhatsApp saying, right, trigger message, and then send a message afterwards. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> So when uh, when Becky told you when you message, how did you feel and respond to that? Charlotte? Again, like yeah, like very similar to what Becky said. Um, obviously, I was I was very much in a froze of grief at that stage. Um, so like so so incredibly happy for Becky because I knew how much she wanted it and I knew how important it was for her. Um, and it was just like everything she dreamed of, and which is again something we talk about a lot. Um, and just heartbroken that I didn't have a baby for like her baby to grow up with, if that makes sense. So um, soon after as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was very much and I think at that point I think at that point I really understood how again, different different sort of journeys, different things on it, but at, at that sort of point I could really understand how Becky had felt previously. And not just with Becky, I mean from like the point when Jack died when I was seeing like pregnancy announcements and things like that from anyone or people having newborn babies and stuff um and I could just really understand to a level um more of a level than what I think I probably understood before um yeah you, you were always pathetic weren't you when I was like saying oh you know another person's pregnant or whatever else or I've just seen this and you know what it's pushed me back down you know a few levels of feeling yeah bit um but you, you did say to me that after Jack you're like I get it like <laughs> hold up you know because because if you've never been trying for a baby or had some loss things like that don't really trigger you if you're not you're just you know oh that's a nice thing for somebody <laughs> it might yeah. be I don't know if you're moving house or buying a first house if you were desperate to buy a house and it's never happening for you that's going to trigger you and it's all different things but yeah you, you really turn around didn't you at that time I'm just like oh my god I get it and but I suppose yeah. that then like brings you closer doesn't it and cements because although yeah. very things you're going through you, you have someone else that understands your feelings as well so, the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? 
And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warrior Ship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warrior Ship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month. In the coming months, we have got body positivity workshop, gratitude workshop, and loads, loads, loads more. And on top of that, we also have a resident mental health specialist. And on top of that, if if that wasn't enough, there's 13 events every month. And there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organising that you can be a part of. So it really is thriving. And all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too. we love to see you there. We were always, you know, we've been best friends for a very long time, but this whole sort of experience has, has definitely brought us closer than we were, which, you know, um, didn't feel like it was possible, but it is. So um, <laughs> and I have a PDA, which Becky loves. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, and then we I say we like we're a collective relationship but then we found out that Teddy was a boy um which was another thing to then deal with and again um you know and I think I think I was probably overly invested with like Becky's whole pregnancy like I remember um I wrote a poem to the embryo <laughs> which sounds which sounds so strange and like when I first went round though and Becky told me like I read her the poem and stuff like this like just like if anyone else looks into it or hears this, it's going to be like you're off your rocker. But <laughs> it was like Im- important stuff to do, if that makes sense, to like, yeah, to just sort of show that I was still very much, you know, into invested in into this sort of journey that Becky's going through. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, it was just it was it's difficult to put a label on it I think it was yeah yeah it is um and then I think sort of moving on from that obviously then you when you decided that you were ready to to try again you got pregnant quite quickly again which meant that we're, our pregnancies were only two months apart so Charlotte's daughter is two months younger than my my son Teddy so then we were going through pregnancy together but again very different journeys because I'd never been pregnant I'd obviously seen what Charlotte had gone through so had some worry but in my head I was very much like I've wanted this for six years I, I'm going to enjoy every moment of this pregnancy. I'm not going to be like worried or you can have obviously pangs of worry here and there, but I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to feel on edge all the time. I just wanted to be like, Do you know what? I'm pregnant while I'm pregnant. Let's enjoy this. If the absolute worst happens, then I'll have to deal with it at the time. And that was my way of dealing. Whereas Charlie, I don't want to talk for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll hand over. But you were very much obviously shitting yourself the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, and it was. I was, I was very conscious, but I didn't want to because I knew how much and for how long Becky had wanted to be pregnant. Um, I very much didn't want my experience to like hinder, um, like to hinder Becky's experience of her pregnancy. Um, and again, that was something that we continued to be very open with each other about. Like I would quite often say to you, you know, if you need me to stop talking about Jack or whatever, then you know that's fine. And you were like, no, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, it's um I was yeah, I was absolutely terrified. And I was also I guess I guess in a sense, like ugly feelings probably came back into it because I I knew I'd never had the joy of 
of pregnancy before loss again. Um, and I found, you know, I probably found it not jealous, jealous, jealous is the wrong word in this sense. Like some people I do get jealous with, but it, I was very just, you know, I, I was never going to get not naive, but I'm not saying that Becky's pregnancy was naive, but I'm, I'm never going to get the experience of going through a pregnancy without thinking, oh my God, this baby's going to die. Like, yeah. So I think that was, that was quite challenging sometimes when we talked to each other, but again, we were very sort of conscious about it. Um, and yeah, yeah, and now we both have our um, our living children who um, are exactly two months to the day apart. Um, so they are now growing up very closely together, aren't they? Um, so even when like Becky's at work and things like that, I work in the evening, so I still go to like day classes, and Teddy's birthdays, nannies and stuff, so that's nice. Um, but yeah, they're growing up so closely. But then there is sometimes moments when you look at it and think it should almost be the other way around. Like obviously, I don't wish for any second that Eleanor wasn't here, but Eleanor wouldn't be here if Jack was here. Um, oh, yeah, but- that's so difficult, isn't it? That's such a, uh, like, mindfuck. Yeah. Yeah, and it, we talk, we do talk about him a lot, though, still, don't we? Okay. Um, and then I think continuing from that is then, yeah, just, I, I don't know if you want to take over now at this point, Becky, or... Yeah, so we also, you know, when you dream of your life, don't you, when you're younger, um, multiple children, you know, I didn't I didn't want to have an only child in all honesty, um, didn't envisage my life that way. Obviously, as soon as I had to go through IVF and everything else, I was like, one will be amazing. And we had looked at other, you know, options like um, adoption and things, but we decided let's give IVF a go. Um, and we weren't funded because the postcode lottery uh, I got I was too old during COVID so got pushed to the other end of the line I had to pay which is you know fine and it's worked out and I've got Teddy wonderful um, we had another um, embryo frozen so we were like well we also have that one implanted hopefully that works and that will be sort of the end of our journey if it doesn't work we were only going to do the IVF once because you know it's a, it's a lot of money and <laughs> we have especially once it worked we have other things then we want to spend our money and we want to take Teddy away places um that embryo took as well so I got pregnant brilliant you know thought uh, honestly was I think could I say more exciting that's really mean to Teddy but <laughs> um I think with that first pregnancy it was relief like oh my god I'm actually pregnant oh, mm-hmm. yes finally whereas this one was just like oh I want absolutely won the lottery now you know mm-hmm. um and very shortly afterwards um I miscarried uh, it was it's more like a I think they call it a chemical pregnancy which is you know great um maybe that word yeah I know, right? <laughs> Horrible. And I was like, uh, so w- when I went in for, um, for some bloods and things, and they said, actually, no, you know, um, you're not not pregnant anymore. But I hadn't bled or anything because I was on my fertility drugs. So then I had to wait another couple of weeks for for that all to start. And then I felt grief, you know, which I hadn't felt before. So Charlotte and I have sort of taken very much about, you know, do you still get these? Once Teddy was here, do you still get these feelings of sort of jealousy or? ugly feelings of other people with announcements. And I said, no, because my grief was that I couldn't have a child and now I've got one. Now there was a child that, the thought, the idea of a child that I've lost. So then I, my sort of grief started creeping back in. Whereas, as I was always saying to Charlie, I was like, your grief's never going to go away. Yours isn't, uh, you're not grieving off the idea of something. You were grieving your actual son. Whereas mm. I was just wanted to be pregnant and be a mum. And then once I was, that went. So yeah, then the, the loss of that embryo 
and now we're and this was in March, so we're just really saying, can we afford another round? Do we want to start doing that again? I mean, my husband's 40 now. I'm, you know, about to turn 38 thinking, well, do we still want to do this all over again? Pay for it when 30, you know, so only 30% chance it will work. <laughs> do we want to go that far? And then Charlie, oh. you're still feeling, well, I'll let you yeah. tell about <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. And again, what Becky was saying about, you know, never envisioned having an only child, like an only, you know, Eleanor's not an only child, um, but, in regards to sort of being here she is she doesn't have her brother to grow up with um and like neither of us ever envisioned you know just having one child two of us basically um we've, we've both come from um you know families with siblings um and so I'm very much like I would love for Eleanor to have a living sibling um but can I go through pregnancy after loss again? Like, you know, you guys know as well, like the amount of times I spent in hospital with Eleanor. Um, yeah, I was in hospital like every other day and then got admitted and stuff like that, just because I just needed to be on the heart rate monitor all the time. So I just knew his like her heart was still beating. Um, and I couldn't do that with a child at home. I just, I just couldn't, yeah, I just don't know. I'd love to, but slightly different thing. I, I don't know if I could put myself through pregnancy after loss again. I would hope that it would be a better experience because I now know that I can birth a living baby. Um, so I'd hope that's a better experience. But yeah, it's, it's just, I guess the sort of importance of us coming on was just talking about the relationship between friends in regards to sort of different aspects of, um, you know, loss and pregnancy and fertility journeys. Um, and yeah, what it then looks like for life going forward so even now like we're both very much in the same boat like when people are just dicks like when people are just saying stupid things or when people are like doing really insensitive like pregnancy announcements and stuff like that um you know the ridiculous things that people say um yeah we're, we're very much in tune of each other um like we sort of collectively come to that position together now haven't we, I guess. Yeah. well you've been through a lot together mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's so nice that you are you have such self awareness and such awareness of each other as well. I think that's really rare. Most often we hear from from women who have lost friends during this really really challenging time. So it's so nice. Have you got friends? Like, are you part of a wider friendship circle, the two of you? And has that been yeah. challenging to navigate with your experiences? We've, I mean, the, the friendship circle, so Charlie and I, we went to school together, but we were in different years and weren't necessarily, you know, that friends. It was a very big school. And then we started working together, didn't we? Must be about yeah. 15 years ago or so. And that's when we started then, you know, really becoming friends. And we've stayed friends with a lot of that work sort of group, you know, even though we all left and did different things quite shortly afterwards, but that was, you know, really sort of our forming years, you know, early 20s of going out and, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, just really... Oh, the good old days. The good old <laughs> days. But nearly everyone in that group has had some sort of... Um, we've had three lots of, of that group have IVF, two wow. successful, one one not. We've had multiple miscarriages from another friend, um, people that don't want children at all, um, obviously still there from, from Charlie, other sort of miscarriages but even within that group you still find things that people say and you're like you know, when people say you can like to me you can try again I'm like 
it's not that easy, is it? It's not just have a lot of sex. (laughs) That's never going to work for us, you know, great. But I mean, and people mean it lovely, don't they? I think, I think what people always want to do is put a good spin on something. And I don't know why. Just sit with me and tell me this is shit mm, and hold my yeah. hand. You, know. you don't have to be, oh, let's look to the future. Why? I'm, go- I'm going to look to the future. I'm not, you know, <laughs> dooming you, can't better. you can't make it better. You can't make it better. Just like same with, with Charlotte, with, with people, honestly, some people, one person asked, and I hope you don't mind sharing, I won't just say names, but asked her, would you like me to talk you through like giving birth? No, I don't want you to talk me through how you've just given birth to a live child when I'm in a day's time going to have to give birth to my son, Jack, who's died. What do you mean? No. What are people are thinking? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what they're thinking. They're just trying to be helpful. They right? are. Yeah, they're they're they are. But wow. But, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, all, it always comes, people, and we, again, like, Bex and Laura, like, we've spoken about this numerous times on, like, support groups and stuff like that, but people don't um people don't set out to say things like maliciously or anything like that but it's that whole um you know when people say like Becky said at the start oh it just wasn't meant to be or um like there's always there's always like a reason behind it and stuff like that and like no there's not like there's there's no reason there was no reason ever found for why Jack died like and he is meant to be like he was very nearly here (laughs) um but unfortunately he's not like you know, it's human nature yeah. isn't it, to want to put positive things on things and leave something as a positive. I think that's, I don't know if it's our culture and, you know, being British, it's, it's not always everything's doom and gloom, is it? It's right, let's let's talk about something positive at the end. But sometimes you don't need to, you know, let's just yeah. say what it is. This is shit. This is shit right now. And let the person that maybe is dealing with it, then if they want to put a positive or then talk about something else and move on in the future, you don't have to. It's almost as if they want to sweep that bit under the carpet, right? What's next? You know, it's comfort for them. And we talk often yeah. about the toxic positivity and the, you know, good vibes only and all that stuff. But actually, you know, so as you said, Charlotte, when things are rubbish, just call them out for being rubbish and then just sit there because we mm. don't have to find the good in everything. Even if there is, even if that is a possibility, even if there is, a big reason, a big picture, a reason for everything to happen. You don't fucking want to hear about it right then and there, do you? You just want to be that you are going to be okay and that you are loved and held and understood and nothing is minimised. Because I think when you come in with all this toxic positivity, at least this or it was meant to be or something, your pain and your grief is completely minimised. It's sort of forced back inside of you. And then you just come out like more violently with ugly feelings and with anger and, you know, resentments and, and and more grief, you know, the more you try and push everything back inside, the more force it comes back out with at a later date. So we just need to give people the, the space and the platform to be able to grieve almost publicly so that mm-hmm. they come and move forward in their time. That's what it's about. It's about the individual time. It's not about what time fucking aren't, Ethel says thinks that you should be grieving for your baby it's about how you do it and how you when you feel ready to go back to work when you feel ready to to talk to mm-hmm. other people when you feel ready to publicly share your story it's all about what you should what feels right at that time and that's all we have all we have is that time this time right now is all we have to work with so that's all we should be thinking about not mm-hmm. like Fucking, why aren't you over it now? Or, or oh, is that is that still what's wrong with you? Or nothing like that. We shouldn't be doing that. 
No. Right, that was my rant. I'm done. <laughs> I was going to say, there's <laughs> our passionate rant of today. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we haven't had a metaphor yet, though. We haven't had a metaphor. Yeah. Yet. Okay. All right. The metaphor is it's like if you had a if you had like a basketball in a swimming pool, a netball in a swimming pool, and you pushed it under the water. Right. That is what you're doing when you push away your your grief. Right. You're suppressing it all back into your body. But the longer you hold that netball underwater, your muscles get weaker and you can't. There comes a point where you can't hold it anymore. And when you've pushed it so far under, when you let that ball go, it doesn't just plop up to the surface, does it? It fucking it shoots out of the water and it smacks you in the face if you're leaning over to see where it's coming. (laughs) And that is what grief does. You can't. The more you suppress it, the more you push it under the water, the higher the pressure is. And the more it will come out and, and hurt yourself and other people around you. And that's what that is why we need to be much more conscious of the way we are holding ourselves. You know, we are dealing with our pain and our grief and we are telling others what we need of them so that they can yeah. manage us, manage our own our own lives and our own responses. And if, yeah, and I, I think I think in regards to like how we are now, I know that I'm. I mean, I'll speak for myself here, Beck, but I know that I certainly still get like ugly feelings. And obviously grief is very much continuing for me. Um, and it doesn't just go away when you've got, you know, your rainbow baby, um, you know, that, you know, Eleanor's a separate baby. Um, I still very much miss Jack. Um, and obviously, you know, love that Eleanor's here, but I think it's, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> I still get the ugly feelings and I'm done. That's it, yeah. Children, like I'm, that's, that's me done. I'm yeah. not on a fertility journey anymore and I still get them. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very, um, I'm quite good at like telling people now, like this is what I need. Like, you know, you've just had a newborn baby. I can't see your newborn baby until they're out of that newborn stage. Like I just can't do it. And, you know, I'm sure there's people that think that I'm selfish and stuff by doing that and think, oh, why haven't you seen my baby? And, um, I think yeah. as long as I think like you did with our, our recent you know friend who's had new one, I think as long as you tell them, and that's why yeah. I think it's worse if you just shy away and hide away because that is when they may think that oh you're that they're they're yeah. assuming how you're feeling. Whereas if you're telling yeah. them this is what it is and this is hard, and even if they don't like it, it's tough, isn't it? You've been honest. And- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whether they agree or not, you can't you can't argue what someone's feeling, can you? No. And you can't, can't be making up scenarios in their head, can they, about what you're you know. Yeah. Mm. Oh, girls. If only everybody had a friend. In a relationship. We are very lucky. Got a friend in me. Yeah. Got a friend in me. I think. I love it because it's a very public PBA. <laughs> like Becky <Bucky> West. <laughs> Which is not me <laughs> at all, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I think it will be really helpful for a lot of people who are in your situations. And yeah, I think loads of people will get a lot out of that. And thanks for being so honest about your friendship. And fingers crossed none of that other friendship group listened to it. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Communication is key. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and uh, Charlotte, we'll speak. Yeah, speak speak to you on on WhatsApp. Lovely to meet you, Becky. Lovely to meet you, Becky. Look after yourselves. And um, we'll do. Thank you. Bye.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revelhorwood, Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.